0: We have the one, the only, Justin Haskins uh, on with us. Hello, Justin. Hi, Glenn. How you doing? I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. You're the editorial director of the Heartland Institute, which I absolutely love. You guys have done uh, so much to fight um, many things, but in, in lately, you're really focusing on the fight against socialism. You just did a new Rasmussen uh, uh, study on likely voters. Can you, can you take us through this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it, w- it was a poll conducted in uh, middle of no- November, November 13th and 14th, 1,000 likely voters, and we asked them a variety of questions about um, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, uh, some questions about socialism, and then some questions about free speech. Um, And I think that the most important, interesting question was about free speech, free speech rights. Um, It was, should federal or state governments ban speech that a majority of Americans believes to be offensive, including speech considered to be racist or sexist? That's exact wording that we gave uh, to to the respondents. And the results were a quarter of of likely voters said, yes, we should ban speech. Governments should ban that speech. And among varying groups based on age, 37 percent of younger people said yes to that question. That was the highest of any demographic uh, based on age. And 42 percent of government employees, which this might be the most interesting part of the survey, said yes to that question. So 42 percent of government government employees that we surveyed said that we should ban speech that a majority of people think is offensive.
0: That makes total sense to me. It makes sense to you?
1: It makes absolute sense to me, especially when you think of this as a national survey, right? We're not polling people who are in Washington D.C., so so we're polling government workers across the country. Well, who are most government workers in most parts of the country? Well, they're teachers, uh, and I think that that's why you're seeing this this very far left view of free speech. But it's it's incredibly disturbing when you when you realize that. Most of these people are probably your local government workers. You're probably mostly public school teachers.
0: So let me go through some of this because I think it's it's odd. Uh, which is better, a free market economic system or socialism? Sixty nine percent, which is you know good for today, I guess. Sixty nine percent said a free market economic system. Twelve percent said socialism, and eighteen percent said not sure. Okay. That's right. Would you vote for a presidential candidate who identifies him or herself as a socialist? Twenty six percent said yes. There's only 12 percent that would identify as a socialist. Twenty six percent said yes. Fifty percent said no. Twenty four percent said not sure. Not where I'd like it, but not horrible, if you will. Um, Do you have favorable, somewhat favorable, somewhat unfavorable or very unfavorable impressions of Bernie Sanders? 18% 18% very favorable, 29% somewhat favorable, uh 17 somewhat unfavorable, 31 uh very unfavorable and 5 not sure. What do they, what do any of these numbers taken together begin to tell you anything? Yeah, I think
1: that the most important thing uh, in the numbers that you just mentioned is that really a large percentage of americans uh, even people who identified as democrats um in our crosstabs we found that it's basically one in three democrats said that they do not they would not vote for a socialist candidate um i don't know if donald trump is listening but this might be helpful information in 2020 yeah. because if you can classify people as a socialist if you can if you can show americans that what Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and other people are proposing out there is socialist, is socialist policies, then I think most Americans are going to reject it. Uh, One of the really interesting things that we found in the data is that 20 percent, about 20 percent of both Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warner, uh, uh, Elizabeth uh, Warner's own supporters said that they would not vote for a socialist candidate. We're talking about the, the, mo- the people who had the highest favorability view of Bernie Sanders said that they would not vote for a socialist candidate for president. Well, that's, that's really interesting. Do they not realize that Bernie Sanders is a socialist? I mean, do they not know that that's who they're, that they're supporting? And it- I mean, I think that that tells you that a lot of people are very confused about what they're hearing from people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren.
0: Do you support legislation that would ban private ownership of assault rifles? 49% said yes, 43% said no, and only 8% are not sure.
1: Yeah, very, very disturbing, um, I think. I think that the, 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 not just the assault rifle question, but also the question that we asked about the second amendment.
0: Do you support Um, repealing? Do you support repealing the second amendment, which currently guarantees America's right to bear arms? 24% said yes. 10% said not sure. 66% said no.
1: That's right. And a third of 18 to 39 year olds, um, a third, 33% said that they would support banning the second amendment. So uh, it's 24 percent overall of all likely voters, but 33 percent of younger people. So over time, this is going to get uh, is only going to become a bigger problem. And, and about a third, by the way, of Democrats said that they support repealing the Second Amendment. So I think we have a lot of work to do, Glenn, <laughs> teaching yeah. people about the importance of the Second Amendment and what it really means. Well, it's what's what's um, frightening is Amendment this also,
0: This is showing the, the deterioration of the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. You lose those, you lose everything else.
1: Yeah, without question. And I think it goes all the way back to what we talked about earlier in the conversation when we were saying that uh, there's such a high support for socialism amongst government workers, and most of those government workers <laughs> are teachers. What are they teaching our kids? They're teaching our kids that the Second Amendment is awful and that it should be repealed. They're teaching our kids that hate speech, that things that are considered to be offensive speech should not be allowed in a free society. They They are teaching our kids to reject the Constitution, to reject the Bill of Rights, to reject individual liberty. And that's why I think you're seeing younger people support these socialist policies at a much higher rate than you're seeing older people.
0: So I just want to give I just want to restate these 46 percent of those who identified as working for the government. You say it's mainly teachers support legislation that would ban private ownership of assault rifles. Only 43 percent of independents and 32 percent of Republicans say they support legislation that would ban private ownership of assault style rifles. Thirty two percent of Republicans would.
1: Well, you got to remember that, third, that I think that that's pretty accurate. These are likely voters. I think that that's a reflection of what's been going on with the media and the fact that media has been banging this drum for a very long time and that most people still don't really understand what assault rifles are. Uh, support amongst Republicans for repealing the Second Amendment uh, was pretty low. Um, so I think that's a positive. But I, I think that People don't understand what socialism is. I don't think they understand what assault rifles are. I don't think that they understand what rights are, are, right. I think fundamentally they do not understand the importance of freedom. I think that's what this shows predominantly. And that's where we need to focus our attention. I think it's worse with younger people than with older people. It's worse with Democrats than with Republicans. It's even worse with Bernie Sanders supporters and Elizabeth Warren supporters. But... It's, it's not good all across the board. We have to start with foundational core principles and work our way up from there.
0: How, how do you do that, Justin? I mean, I know this is what you do for a living at the Heartland Institute. This is what you do for a living. How do you do that? How do we turn this that... around when it's, it's our, it is institutionalized in our educational system from birth to graduation?
1: Right. So the two things, I think the two most important ways to battle uh, these problems, to fight against socialism, number one, you absolutely every single parent, every single grandparent, aunt, uncle, friend, family member who's concerned about this issue needs to talk to younger people about these issues. They need to teach kids. While they're in the school system, before they get into the public school system, basic core concepts about individual rights and respecting other people's rights. That's number one. We have to take that seriously. Number two, we need to, get, we need to break the stranglehold that the government has on public education. And, we, and the only way to do that is with school choice. There are universal school choice ideas that have been out there for a very long time, universal education, savings accounts, programs, etc. We don't have them even in the most conservative states. Why don't we have that in states like Texas and Alabama and places where you Republicans have, have been in charge for a long time? We don't have it there either.
0: It is shocking to me how bad Texas is. You know, I lived here in the 80s and Texas was a different place in the 80s compared to what it is now. It is drifted far um texas you know has very powerful unions and teachers you know the teachers uh federation here is very very strong they have they have taken over our schools and nobody wants us to do anything about it at least in the upper you're, levels
1: you're right and it's it's not just in texas it's all across oh, I know. the country. It's, the most conservative states in the country, the teachers' unions are still the most powerful political organization in, at the state level in many cases, but especially at the local level. I mean, the lo- at the local level, teachers dominate virtually every election. They decide who is going to be put in control of school boards and local elections for, for city council and things like that. It's mostly decided by teachers, and teachers are being taught at far left teachers' colleges. Uh, across the country where they're being indoctrinated with the idea that they need to be indoctrinating other people about socialism. And so it's this endless cycle, this drift in in conservative states and in liberal states and in moderate states, this this drift towards socialism because, foundationally, uh, the people who are teaching younger people are all on the left side of the political spectrum. And the only way to get rid of that is to have school choice so that parents can take their kids out of those schools and put them in schools that embrace the values that they believe in. But right now, unless you can afford a private school or unless you can afford to homeschool your child, you don't have that, that option. And so conservatives need to make it clear that if it, no Republican should be supported, no conservative candidate should be supported, no Democrat, no political candidate should be supported unless they embrace school choice.
0: Well, thank you for uh, doing the survey and uh, and uh, breaking that uh, survey here. And uh, hopefully it will be picked up because I I think so many people uh, have no idea how bad things are really, truly getting in America Uh, and something better wake them up pretty soon. Justin, thank you so much. Thanks, Glenn. You bet. Bye-bye. By the way, uh, Justin is uh, a guy who has uh, helped write the next book called uh, Arguing with Socialists. Uh, it comes out after the first of the year. I think it comes out right right before the uh, Super Tuesday, does it not? Arguing against Socialists. It's a great, great book You know, cut from the cloth of the uh, arguing with idiots and, and uh, an inconvenient book. You're going to love it, and it makes a great gift for anyone who is being indoctrinated in school (laughs) uh they may not like it so much but they'll read if they just open it if they'll just open it all of the facts are in the i mean i think this is the most footnotes we have of any book we've ever written uh and it's all well documented and it's hard to argue hard to argue if they'll just open it good
2: luck with that but buy it for them anyway and maybe one day they'll be stuck in an elevator with it and they'll be forced to read it
0: yeah well i mean here's the thing it what's going to happen is you're going to have it you're going to read it and then when they're sitting around and they're talking to you you're going to know what their argument is and you're going to be able to argue it yourself Mm -hmm. so is anybody else um is anybody else getting to the point to where you're like, you mm. know, I feel like, I feel like um, Gene Wilder at the end of the producers. No way out. No way out. <laughs> there is a way out. There is a way out. We just have to choose to do it. And we have to, uh, we have to get back to where we were. I think we were so beaten up with the tea party uh, because the tea party was about uh, elections and, you know, the nine twelve project was not about elections. It was about education. It was about it was about principles and values, and those never go out of style. And those are the things that we have to get back uh, to to teaching and to living in our own life.
2: Yeah, I oh boy. agree that that would be an ideal solution. I mean, it's t- I feel like it gets tougher and tougher, particularly right now with the way the media covers Trump. To think any, you know, further along than whatever today's news
0: cycle item is. But don't you but see that the news, the news cycle is uh, getting less and less credible? Yeah, oh, no, I okay. mean, people are not watching it as much as they used to. They're not listening to it as much. I mean, we pay in media, in talk radio, we pay more attention to the uh, mainstream media than I think the average person does. The average person doesn't. They'll get it from Facebook and everything else. They're not getting it, you know, from all of these shows that, you know, CNN, nobody's watching CNN.
2: Yeah. I mean, that that coverage, though, does inform all the other coverage. And it it trickles down. It's not just what CNN reports. It's that 500 other sources report on what CNN reports.
0: Correct. So
2: it does get the influence is significant.
0: Well, you know, the the only problem um, on fixing this and until we solve this, we're not going to be able to solve anything. Um, There is no investigative journalist news arm that is credible that the conservatives can all feast off of, you know, like, for instance, we do investigative, you know, uh, reporting on Ukraine. Well, let me just let me flip this around. Um, You know, um, Ben Shapiro does something. Mm hmm we're so busy that we don't necessarily see ben shapiro but if ben shapiro or if if there was a news source that ben was basing his opinion off and it wasn't directly competitive for everybody if there was a news source that was out there that maybe all of us put our money into we could we could go on our own narrative right now we can only respond to their narrative because they're the only ones producing the news we're commenting on it we need a conservative news that's credible that is big robust and can compete has the money to be able to compete because if we're all going off of CNN, we're all going to be talking about what they want us to talk about. Right. They're setting the agenda.
2: Right. And we can say, well, this part of it is wrong, wrong. and here's why. Right. But we're still responding
0: to that. They don't have to respond to us because we're just voices and opinions on what they've done. Mm-hmm. If there is credible journalism being done on the right that we can all comment on, then we flip the table and everybody has to respond. They have to respond to what our journalists have dug up and said. And that's only going to happen if all of the people on the right start to get together and try to develop some associated press. You're listening to Glenn. Welcome to the Glenbeck program. Italian police say that they have seized weapons and far-right propaganda material from the homes of 19 suspected extremists who are hoping to form a Nazi party in the country. Not not, not always a good idea. You want to to start a, a Nazi? To
2: not, a, not start a Nazi party.
0: Nazi. It's also, you know, not, I, not I, I, this is going to be extremely unpopular and will be taken out of context, so just know here is the whole context mm-hmm. i completely understand in germany why they did that i mean at they the time the they banned party. the nazi party mm-hmm. and you know at the time i can't imagine you know if if you just fought that war and you got out of a concentration camp and somebody's like yeah well my neighbor's going to a nazi rally you'd be like what whoa, whoa, wait what <laughs> wait that's still happening it's still wait, happening what? didn't we just defeat that yeah. i mean it's it so i don't know what i would have done in Germany. Um, however. The idea that the Italian police are going to shut down these people now—if it's violent, yes—and s- strangely, Nazis usually are. Mm. um But the idea of shutting down a party or shutting down speech really bothers me. It, you know, it—it uh, it seems
2: foreign. Is the way I would put it. Yes. It, you know, it, it seems like a weird cultural thing that would happen in Europe, but couldn't happen here because we have something called a First Amendment. And no matter how bad the ideas are, from a, I mean, there have been. I mean, the American Nazi Party is. It was a. Oh, real in the 1930s, thing. it
0: was huge. It was huge. It, it but, I mean, supported even, FDR but even
2: way after the war. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was still active in the in the United States. Uh, one of the, they had a presidential candidate who would run all the time. Eventually, was assassinated shockingly by. By another Nazi. Um, <laughs> but uh, they that was something that's real. And, and to this day, I mean, you know, we all know, people in this audience at least know, that communists have killed a lot more people than Nazis have. And we have an American Communist Party, too. We have a Socialist Workers Party. We have a bunch of parties that represent communism.
0: I have here. a real problem with the the communist witch hunt to the 1950s. I mean, they didn't have a right to go, go in and... and yeah, that's, that's not American. It's not American. It's
2: not American to say that specific ideas should be banned we we dismiss them we mock them we win against them but we don't ban political parties um, obviously there are exceptions at the extremes when you're talking about like if a party is advocating the murder of the guy down the street well that's a totally different law yeah, that would be violent about. right but i mean an idea like in, up until including the idea that hey um you know bob over there is in the nazi party he thinks he's superior to jews is that allowed yeah he can say that yeah he can say it. He can form an entire party around how he's better than Jews. And he can try to change the laws. Uh, I will fight every day to make sure that he does not succeed. Uh, and he won't succeed in this country because that
0: is not, that's not not—that's not what this country was built on. Here, here's, here's a, a real-life example. Mm-hmm. Uh... How can you be against white supremacy in the United States of America and the idea of living in a supremacist state based on race and class, but then support a state like Israel that is built on supremacy? So <laughs> this is Linda Sarsour, of course, that is saying that Jews think they are supreme to everyone else. No, no, that's not that's not what they think. No, that's not what they think. Um, and does she have a right to say that? Yes. Do I have a right to disagree with her? Vehemently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do I have a right to say she should go to jail for that? No. No one no one has that right. Because once you take that uh, right from her, it can be taken from you. And that's not even the that's a a good way to
2: personalize it, but it's not the reason you do it. It's you don't do it because it could be taken away from you. Whether it, whether you think that can happen or not. That's a good way of personalizing it so you realize the impact of it. But in reality, if their ideas are terrible, they're still allowed to be said. We say this, a lot of people make this point um, all the time with abortion, where they'll say, uh, people on the, on the right will say, look, you're aborting all these kids. You could have aborted the next Einstein. You could have aborted uh, the next scientist or, or world leader. That's absolutely true. You also could have aborted a bunch of people who suck. Who are the people that get in your way at McDonald's in the drive through and take too long. Like, and the person who screws up your, 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 your order at the window. Them. And right, Exactly. That's the point. Right. Whether they're the next world leader or the next Einstein, it doesn't matter. They get a right to live. They get a chance to live their lives. Um, that's really, really important. And a lot of times we kind of personalize it and say, well, if we lose, uh, if they lose their right to speak, well, we might lose our right to speak. Well, whether we do or not is not the issue. It is
0: their right to say dumb things. So, you know what? You know what happened is there was this perversion, I think, of this American idea that you don't talk religion in politics. Yeah. And you didn't do that because polite company, you just don't talk about that stuff. mm mm-hmm. But that didn't come from uh, anything other than, I mean, I got the lectures when I was a kid. I'm sure you did, too. Your parents would talk to you and say, they have a right. They have a right to believe that. You can think that they're wrong all you want, but you don't tell them what to think. You don't tell them, unless they're breaking the law and hurting other people, you don't tell them what to think or do. Mm Mm-hmm. It's none of your business. I mean, you can make an argument.
2: You can try to persuade them. Yeah. But you certainly don't use the power of the state to stop them from doing something that's legal and not threatening someone else. Right? That You know, you can... I mean, look, faith is something that makes arguments and judgments all the time about people's behavior. There's nothing wrong with judging other people's behavior. You can say all the time you think that their behavior is wrong. Here's why I think it's wrong. Here's what I think you should do. But to to legislate the morality is not right. You can't. I I agree with that. And I think there's some disagreement even on the right at this point um, on this. And it goes not only to uh, sort of moral uh, causes, but also economic ones where there's this idea um josh hammer put this really well um uh because this dividing line on the right he he phrased it this way i think this is a great way of thinking about it and i have a really clear answer to this one but i do think that this is the divide on the right as it stands today he says uh, the fundamental dividing question right now for those of us on the political right is individual liberty worth pursuing as an intrinsically just end or is it merely a means, sometimes worth pursuing toward a distinct political end, like justice or human suffering? No, it's, or whatever a just it is. It's,
0: it's a an just end. It's a just end in and of itself yeah. to me. That is completely black and white. There is no, honestly, on my, there on my is mind. no justice if you shut people's thought and speech down. Mm-hmm. There's no justice. Yeah, and I even if it's even if
2: the culture turns against the things that you believe are right. Even if you're losing those battles, uh, you gotta, you fight harder, you try to win. But you don't bring the state in to, to put your values on the entire it's society. And, and we're seeing that, I think, economically. I mean, Tucker Carlson makes this point. I think you know, he's a smart guy and he makes this point well. Orrin Cass wrote an entire book about it. Um, and, and, it, and it, But it's using the power of the government to go towards just uh, you know, specific economic um, uh, goals that the right is friendly with. I mean, John McCain did a lot of this. Yes. Uh, you know, um, you see this with uh, people like um, Mike Huckabee, uh, where he will take the power of his office as governor. And you know what? I believe uh, gluttony is wrong and people are too fat and we should we should change Bloomberg. the way people eat. Bloomberg is a great example of it. Uh, although sometimes his ends are liberal, he, sometimes they are. They were conservative, but he uses uses the state to push those things through and you know when it we, comes there are there are exceptions and there's there's nuance throughout this entire argument but to me as a fundamental question the the freedom and the
0: and liberty is that is the end that's what we're that's what no, we're, tra- look, we're we're targeting here. this is really this is really so very simple i don't know why there's a disagreement on it If you believe in the Declaration of Independence, the Declaration of Independence is our mission statement. It was the letter to the king. Look, you don't understand us. You don't even know who we are. We think differently here. And we believe that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights among these life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And that the government is instituted among men to protect those rights. That's it. There's there's no there's nothing in the Declaration of Independence that says, and because of that, we're going to Mm -hmm. redistribute the wealth or we're going to make things more fair as a government. No. And in pursuit of happiness is really key here, too. Right. Pursuit.
2: It doesn't mean that we use the government to guarantee it because we think these things are wonderful. Right. You know, it's, be- it's the pursuit. You have the freedom to be able to pursue what you believe will make you happy. And you know what? You might fall flat on your face over and over again and never achieve it. So
0: period. So anyone who says, well, we've got a social engineer, we have to do this, we have to do that. That is not the government's role. The, 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 the mission statement, the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence was saying, this is what it looks like when we get there. Mm-hmm. This is the finished product, a place where all men know that they are equal. They're created equal and they can pursue that happiness any way they want. And the government's role is to protect that individual from doing what they feel is right, as long as they're not killing people and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, stealing. That's it. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We believe, as Americans, or at least we used to, we believe in the power of the individual. And if you want to empower individuals, you're going to have to live with the fact they're going to make choices that you're not going to like. You're a parent. When you're a parent, you know at some point you've got to let it go. You've done everything you can. They're going to make decisions that you don't agree with. Some of them might work out to your surprise. Some of them are going to end exactly the way you thought that they would end. But you don't tell your children exactly what to do, or you drive a wedge between you and them. You'll destroy your relationship. We are looking at our government as a parent and telling the parent to get involved in all of these adults' lives and tell them what's right or wrong. It automatically drives a wedge between people and between the government. That That's not who we are. That's not what this system was meant to be. You want that system? Design a new system. But that's not what this one is. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, and, and that's
2: the part that bothers me. I mean, the second part of this statement, which is, is individual liberty merely a uh, means sometimes worth pursuing toward a distinct political end, is the way the left thinks about the world. Yes. The left uses individual liberty when they want abortion. It's a nice little trick to get you. They want abortion. So that one thing they say, individual liberty is really important. Can't get in the way of uh, between a, a woman and her doctor. It's her body, her choice. It's all individual liberty because it's not a principle. It's just a means to get to whatever they want today. And so if we go down that road, we're them. We are them. It is a intrinsically just end to pursue individual liberty not the other way around and we it's we have in the midst of the political arguments we do lose that i think sometimes and i think that's dangerous we have to remember you know we're different from the left not just because we want slightly different policies because what happens is you get the bloomberg thing where Bloomberg has been a Republican and a Democrat. I don't know that he's changed positions on anything. No. He's just going down whatever road serves him at whatever time. Yeah. And he's and he's a big-time progressive. And so he's able to use the power of the state to whatever ends he wants. We, we need to be different. I don't want to be Michael Bloomberg. I don't want to be anything like Michael Bloomberg. I don't want him anywhere near me, the party I belong to, the, the, the principles that I have. He's no, and it is largely soda-based. My opposition, sure, <laughs> um, but it's true. I don't right. want to be anywhere near the guy. Sure,
0: right. See, I don't think there's enough people, uh, and and it's getting harder and harder every day because um, you're counting clicks, you're counting likes um, as popularity, as as success, and so. I don't know if there is the the understanding that pursuit of happiness does not mean success. You know, America has been made into a land of stuff and a land of plenty. Whoever has the most wins and is happy. You look at people in Hollywood and everything else, and I'm not saying you, but you know, most of the people will look at that and say, you know, they're happy. No, they're not. They're miserable. They're miserable. Do you think Greta Thunberg is happy? She's miserable. <laughs> She's physically incapable of smiling. Oh, my gosh. How would you Just, even know? Do you want to live that way? Barbara Streisand, I don't care how much money or fame. I don't want to live like her. And and so it's not about success. It's about the pursuit of happiness. What makes you happy? This bothered me so much when when we first had children. And Tanya was a born mother. She was just born to be the best mom ever. And, um, and she's done it and that's pursuing her happiness. But the world was doing everything they could to convince her that you're a stay-at-home mom, you're worthless. Mm. Well, no, it might be it might not be what that person wants to be, but that's what she wants to be. Why do you have to force your view on her? She's not going to force it on you. Pursue your happiness. And happiness, believe me, does not come with money and success. You can rent it, but it's a very short term, very short term. Happiness comes from doing what you feel is right. You're listening to Glenn Beck.